Forget Friday's outlier of a payroll report. I mean, it was an outlier in its own series. Listen to the Saudis. The Saudis know more about what's going on in the real economy because they have to know what's going on in the real economy compared to the BLS's seasonal adjustments that are applied to one specific part of the U.S. payroll data. Saudi Arabia announced last night that they were going to voluntarily cut another million barrels per day from production in the month of July, though they said, we'll extend the cuts for as long as necessary because we're going to keep oil prices stable. And they wouldn't have to do this, obviously, if demand was living up to its end of the bargain instead of deflation and a deflationary economy that's looming in front of us. The Saudis in the real physical oil market are telling you about what's in front of us. Deflation. They're losing the war with the deflationary economy because of course they are. Now, Saudi's oil minister, remember Prince Abdulaziz bin Salman, this colorful guy, he called this, remember last time he said uh, he was going to give the oil market a huge ouchie. The oil market was going to be ouching. Well, the oil market was only ouching for a couple minutes last night. The July 2023 WTI futures contract, which is the current front month price, that opened from around 71.74 Friday last night at the open. 75.03, so oil prices were up sharply. It got as high as 75.06 before. Right nosediving off a cliff again. As last check, oil prices up are about a buck from Friday, which shows you the limited capacity of either OPEC or members of OPEC or any form of supply to really impact oil prices. I highly doubt that oil shorts this morning are experiencing ouchies, nor are they licking the lollipop, as, as Abdulaziz said. He called this the Saudi lollipop, which is going to sweeten oil prices. Well, it's not really sweetening a whole bunch. And the reason it's not really sweetening a whole bunch is obvious. It's the economy is weak. The global economy is weak. Here's what uh, CNBC said, laying out perfectly what this is the bull oil case, the inflationist case. It once again demonstrated that Saudi Arabia is willing to act unilaterally to stabilize oil prices. President of analysis firm Rapid and Energy Bob McNally said, citing the example of January 2021 when the oil titan unilaterally cut production by a million barrels per day. McNally continued, we see large global deficits materializing in the second half of 2023 and crude prices exceeding $100 next year. And the market absolutely disagrees with this view because there will be no supply or material crude price deficits in the second half of this year. The oil prices are not just about what's going on today. They're again looking forward as the Saudis are in saying demand is not there. There isn't going to be some massive supply deficit in the second half of this year to skyrocket oil prices. Instead, Saudi Arabia has to cut more production just to keep prices around $70 per barrel. The same CNBC article finishes up with admitting exactly what's going on. Um, Citigroup's head of global commodities, Ed Morse, said, It's still an extremely weak oil market in part due to disappointing demand in the three largest consuming regions. Yeah, three largest consuming regions. China, the European Union, and the United States. This flies in the face of everything that we've been told about, hey, the economy's holding up relatively well. China reopening is completely failing. The oil market told us, told us that to begin with. Europe, 
The surviving last year and surviving on rising sentiment this year is nowhere near enough. In the United States, the oil market flies also in the face of that strong labor and payroll report. And we also have Contango. And we're going to need to talk about Contango, whether that's, that's a useful signal, as well as other data which confirms the Saudi Arabia panicking after losing their fight and losing badly with the deflationary economy that's still coming. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. If you're interested, Eurodollar University has memberships available, exclusive content where we go over the background monetary details. What is a Eurodollar? There isn't a Eurodollar. Why isn't there a Eurodollar? What does Eurodollar actually mean and what does it really do? Very important stuff for global reserve currency. We also have research subscriptions. I do a daily briefing in partnership with MarketsInsiderPro.com. That's Stephen Vermeter and Tracy Schuchart. And a daily deep dive analysis, which is at the Eurodollar University website, where we dive deep into all of these things, not just oil and the shape of futures curves, but all the monetary and macro details, what they mean for today as well as into the near future. Information available for you, Eurodollar.University. Falling oil prices on weak demand, monetary concerns, and contango in the futures curve. You've, you've heard me say that repeatedly over the last six months or so, really going back to November, December, when contango showed up on WTI. Is contango, along with oil prices, is, is contango in the futures curve actually a signal that we should be looking at it depending upon? Because some people say, Contango is just a normal part of the marketplace. Therefore, it doesn't really tell us anything about either the conditions in the or conditions for oil prices today or conditions for oil prices moving forward. But while that might have been true at one time, way, 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 way back in history, there were times when Contango was a more frequent occurrence in the oil markets. Over the last decade, so 10 years, that's that's more than enough uh, more than enough period of time to make conclusive determinations here, what we see is that contango has become less frequent. And more than that, the frequency or the, the timing of its appearance goes right along with weak oil markets, as well as weak oil markets on deflationary demand conditions, as we saw, say, 2014 and 2015 or 2018, 2019, 2022, for that example, for that matter. So if we look back through the oil contango curve, and I'll show you here, we'll go right through quickly for the last 15 years or so, you can clearly see that something changed around 2013. But that didn't mean that there weren't notable episodes before then. In particular, between June of 2007 and May 2008, the entire oil curve went into backwardation, which was consistent with oil prices rising sharply. Remember, everybody was afraid of inflation during the first half of the great quote-unquote recession, largely because oil and commodity prices were surging. And one reason oil and commodity prices were surging was because many people thought this subprime mortgage crisis would only impact the United States and maybe to an extent Europe. China and emerging markets, remember, were supposed to have decoupled from the U.S. and therefore demand was going to remain strong, particularly for oil because China was going to continue to boom. But the WTI futures curve moved out of backwardation into contango 
on May 21st, 2008. And it would only get further and further and contango into June. And then oil prices topped and began to crash in July. So Contango told you in the middle of 2008, consistent with weakening in the U.S. and European economies, that it was starting to un or recouple with Asia, uh, China and the rest of Asia. Oil prices began to turn around, oil markets and then oil prices turned around as the Great Recession became a global one. We see lots of Contango throughout the first part of the sort of recovery period, 2008, 2009, into 2010, 11, and 12. But then you see, again, this is where the market really transitioned. We, we go to 2013, and the oil market was in agreement with Ben Bernanke's taper diagnosis. It wasn't, remember, a taper tantrum, but rather a celebration. The markets were saying there's definitely an economic pickup in Europe, Europe coming out of recession. There seems to be an economic pickup in the United States, not actual recovery, but at least demand was rising. Monetary conditions were somewhat stable, though there was noises going on in repo. And so the, the WTI futures curve, like in 2007, early 2008, went back into backwardation, front, front to back, consistent with oil prices rising and getting to their highest point, at least at that period during that period of time. But then there was a few warning signs. WTI went back into contango in October 2013, consistent with a drop in oil prices. All the noises that we started to hear in emerging markets late in 2013 that pre-warned us about what was going to come in 2014. But as far as the oil market was concerned, in 2014, oil curve, WTI futures curve, went way back into backwardation again as oil prices continued to steady. But then oil prices plunged and it went into the WTI futures curve went into contango in November of 2014. It would stay that way for a long period of time because demand did not live up to supply. It was never, demand was falling off, particularly in China and emerging markets and the United States and Europe did not decouple from then. Instead, we all experienced a downturn in 2015 and 2016. Then you can clearly see, again, the correlation between levels and direction of contango and overall oil prices in general. 2016 into 2017, 2017 in particular, contango starts to drain from the curve. Late 2017, it becomes fully backward dated again as oil prices are rising. Globally synchronized growth, remember that? Consistent with demand finally living up to some of its promise. But... But just like we had been warned in, say, Eurodollar futures inversion June of 2018, we get to October 2018, and rather becoming more inflationary, rather than seeing a global recovery continue to expand, October 2018, oil prices start to fall, and the oil curve shifts into contango again, consistent with what I call the landmine of 20, 2018, which eventually became the undeclared recession of 2019. It was undeclared because the pandemic eventually overtook everything. And everything that happened in 2018, 2019 has been largely forgotten, including the fact that, again, contango corresponded and correlated with not just lower oil prices, but lower oil prices consistent with an economy getting into a recession around the world. 
We get to 2020, obviously more can tangle on the curve for very obvious reasons. Low oil prices, again, consistent correlation there. Then contango largely disappears into 2021 because not only do we have rising demand, we also have restricted supply, which again, unlike the behavior of the WTI futures curve in the first part of our, our look back period before 2013, now we see a more serious correlation with oil prices rising in backwardation and then oil prices falling and eventually contango. Oil prices peaked last June and by November and December, we're back into contango on the futures curve again. Was that just normal, normal behavior in the, in the oil market or did it correspond with significant substantial weakness as Saudi Arabia? In the, in the global economy, all across the, not just the oil markets or the oil curve, but in other curves all around the global monetary system. We saw a consistent oil WTI contango consistent with what we saw in SOFR futures, Eurodollar futures at the time, Euribor futures, yield curve, treasury curve, any yield curve. It's a consistent picture. It's not one thing or another. It doesn't just say, Hey, it's oil it's WTI can tango for the sake of WTI can tango. It corresponds very, very well, and it fits very well with all the rest of the data that we have saying that there is something going on. And that what's going on is exactly what Saudi Arabia is trying to tell you. It is losing its battle with the deflationary economy that continues to show up in more and more places, looking ahead not behind. To that end, we got data today from the uh, ISM, also S&P Global, but that's an outlier too. S&P Global said its services PMI for the month of May, well, the flash reading was 55.1, which was a high reading. It was, I think, the highest in 13 months. Uh, they revised that down a touch to 54.9, so no real change there. But all the rest of the services data, including China's, by the way, suggests that the economy is going the opposite direction. This services economy is going the opposite direction. We have Fed regional surveys. Uh, I lined up the S&P Global Services PMI with the Chicago Fed, just because why not? You could do the Richmond Fed or the Dallas Fed, it doesn't matter. The Fed surveys show the services sector is already contracting, whereas S&P Global says it is accelerating. The other national services PMI, of course, is the ISM's non-manufacturing, which just came in today. The initial estimates for the month of May, which were awful, ugly, deflationary, looking ahead deflationary. The headline was 50.3, 50, 50 down from 51.9. And that 50.3 was barely above the 49 something from December, which was blamed on the massive blizzard, which struck most of the northern parts of the United States. But as you'll notice, in May 2023, there was no blizzard. There were no pandemic lockdowns, just recession and growing fallout from the banking crisis and credit crunch. The ISM's non-manufacturing PMI, the business activity index fell to 51 and a half, even though that's on the plus side of 50, that's actually the worst since May of 2020 which May of 2020 was not a good period, not a good comparison. And 51 and a half for business activity on the ISM's non-manufacturing, that's consistent with recessionary periods. New orders fell to 52.9, again, a really low number there, even though it's on the plus side of 50. That was from 56.1 in April, going the opposite way of payrolls. Employment, of course, 
Back under 50, 49.2 from 50.8. The prices number, ISM's prices index, 56.2. Again, that sounds like a very large number. 56.2 sounds inflationary, but that's down from 59.6. And 56.2 in March, or excuse me, in May, is the lowest since May of 2020. It's also consistent with the period in early January and February 2019, early 2019. The aftermath of the landmine, the ISM's prices index is in that same shape already today as of May 2023. The deflationary economy is looking ahead and saying, where is first the economy going? Second, what are prices likely going to do? And third, what does all of that mean? And the third part is where we got into, where we get into the labor market part of it. So we have prices that are getting softer, especially oil, oil prices. The Saudis know that oil prices have more downside than upside and are acting to try to manipulate oil prices. But oil prices are not being manipulated by supply because the bigger concerns looking forward are deflation and a deflationary economy. It's not the payroll report. It's all over these markets. I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, huge thank you, Eurodollar University research subscribers, Markets Insider Pro research subscribers, and of course, Eurodollar University members. Again, thank you very much. Until next time, take care.